0: You're listening to the IBSI Views podcast. This is Gaia Lamperti. And today we are joined by Pete Cherowicz, President of Asset Servicing at Northern Trust, a leading provider of asset servicing, asset management, and wealth management. Hello, Pete, and thank you for joining me.
1: Hi, very nice to meet you, and thank you for having me.
0: Lovely. Today, we are going to discuss the digital transformation that's going on in the legacy institutions in financial services. But before we kick off, Pete, would you like to introduce yourself, your career path, and the work of Northern Trust to our
1: audience? Sure. Well, I want I start off with uh, what, what Northern Trust does in asset servicing, and at one level, what we tell people is, I'm sure you, your parents, your grandparents, they have pension plans. They have investments in mutual funds or, or c or USITs. We make sure that that money's there. We make sure the assets are there. And we make sure that the valuation is accurate so that you know exactly how much you have. And so we protect those pension plans and those assets around the globe. So that's fundamentally what we do. Now, when I kid around a little bit, I say, actually, we're the plumbers of the financial system. So we don't make the decisions necessarily on what to invest in, but somebody has to actually execute on all those decisions, do the accounting, move the money, and make sure that everything goes. So that's what we do. We're the plumbers of the financial services. Now, how did I start off? Uh, I've been in this industry now, gee, 35 years and uh, worked for two companies, State Street Bank, a competitor, and, and Northern Trust, and have really grown up in the different functions across those years. I would say, though, that um, two things for me that have helped. One is that I had a mentor early on in my career. Now, it, funny enough, some people will say, um, do you know Microsoft Excel? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know that. How about Lotus One Two Three? Hmm. Some people know, some people don't. How about VisiCalc? So VisiCalc was the first spreadsheet program ever created, and a person was my mentor for years who was on the team that wrote that. And that really got me into technology because ultimately, to be successful in this, in this industry, you have to understand both the business and the technology. It can't be one or the other. And that's really from a career perspective where I've made the mark is trying to bridge those two gaps.
0: Well, Pete, thank you so much. And I'm glad you touched upon technology very early on in our conversation (laughs) because uh, this is definitely at the core. So we've been through a couple of years that were arguably worse than the financial crisis. And the response we are seeing so far is how our legacy system are starting to focus on new priorities. And usually this means incorporating digital innovation and transforming from within the way we are delivering services to the end customer. So what do you think are some of these priorities? And maybe you can offer us a couple of examples or use cases referring to the work of Northern Trust.
1: So it's interesting, if, if you go back to the last financial crisis in a way, how the regulators reacted, how the clients reacted, they did want more stability, so it was all focused on capital. How much capital do we have? If there's a crisis, can we protect it? In the pandemic, it was all focused now around resiliency. And well, all the people if our people are getting sick, can you do the job? And one thing that changed, is, as an industry, we realized, we have to stop hiring so many people. We need to do things more efficiently. We have to embrace um, digitalization. And so if I can give you an example, in financial services, private equity firms, um, they have a, there's a general partner. We would love in the industry if every private equity firm would give a capital call or a valuation statement using exactly the same structure so that we could ingest it and then we could post everything automatically. They don't. So we get millions of pieces of paper every year which we have to scroll, scroll through and then post the information into our platforms to tell people what their valuation is, the fact that they have a capital call, et cetera. So what we created as an example was something we called NT Digitizer, which takes in the capital call statement or any statement from the general partner, uses OCR technology, right, digitizes it, then um, puts, it onto the, puts it onto the cloud in Microsoft Azure uses machine learning to then scroll through those documents, look at the keywords, pull out, oh, this is a capital call, here's the words that you're looking for, pre-populate the template, then we go through a process where we get up to that 99, 100% um, accuracy rate and then automatically post it to our system. So in that case, you have 250 people that were doing this in the past and now we'll get down in the next 18 months to about 20. And so that level of digital transformation, that's at the small end of it. If I look at the big end, we all have mainframes, right? And so how do you get off the mainframes? And so we're looking at, you can't just convert to a new system. You actually have to strip out all of the data and the functions piece by piece and so that's what we're looking for to do um, with our mainframe strategy is ultimately you've got to get off because clients want things faster, right? And so we're, we're going to do that.
0: And you just mentioned how data and automation of processes is helping to streamline operations internally. How is this also enhancing the client experience on the other hand?
1: If we look at data Um, and and our clients, you have to look at it in a few different vectors. So I'll start with um, speed of change and delivery of information. Uh, One of our main services to clients is to provide them data for which they can do their jobs. They want to analyze the data, they want to put it in their systems. We need to be in a position where instead of writing a whole new file to go to them, send it via FTP, and it's a three or four week process, that actually it can be configurable. So by using technologies um, such as Calibra, where you have actual all of the metadata there and and your data um, lineage, um, you can get to the point where you have a data product. And with that data product, let's say it's holdings. If someone wants it, well, can you add this one data element or can you configure it? That can be done in 24 hours versus hiring a programmer to develop a whole new feed. And you wake up one day and you have 5,000 data files going out to all your clients. Right, So that's one thing where the world's changing, where you have to do better. The second thing is that clients want to get insights to their data. So to have the data available, call it a data fabric, call it what you want, such that you can start to draw inferences from, those, that, from that data by combining different data sets, that becomes important as well. And it's really hard to do that if the data sits on a mainframe, right? It can't work. So you need to actually externalize the data, put it into a fabric such that you can start making combinations, produce more data products and then ship them off to the clients. And the last piece is clients want to um, interrogate that data. And so using tools like Snowflake, where you can then pass the data to Snowflake, where they can then get an update real time, they can combine it with their data sets. That's where the world's going ultimately. But I remind people that the data is sort of the end product. You actually have to digitize everything at the beginning because otherwise someone says it's available in real time. But if it's coming in paper, first it's not real time right <laughs> you know so we need to get the ecosystem of financial services to embrace this digital transformation in order for this to truly get to be a real-time ecosystem.
0: Absolutely. And we started mentioning a few of them, but looking closely at the wealth management vertical, what are some of the new trends you think will outlive these times and that we will fully adopt for for the times to come?
1: So it's interesting. I had a board meeting uh, last week, and our board, we gave them an educational session on uh, everything digital assets, cryptocurrencies, etc., and one of the board members said, well, do you think cryptocurrencies are going to you know, live on and, uh, and be there? And I said, I'm not sure, but I don't think that's the right question. I think the right question will be, will digital currencies be here at the end of the day? And the answer for me to that is yes. Central bank digital currencies will come. Cash will go away. and it. And what that means is ultimately the ability to do, you know, our job today, for instance, as a as a custodian, if our job is we settle securities, right? We do all this stuff, we move cash. Well, if that's all digital and that can all be done on blockchain, then well, why do you need a bank, right? Ultimately you need a bank because someone has to be able to do loans, et cetera. But you can do loans v- with digital currencies. So I think digital currencies absolutely live on. I think settlement on blockchain will win the day over time. Now it's gonna take it's gonna take years and years and years, right? Because at the beginning, people look for areas in the market that have friction and they solve those first. Right now, private equity has friction, peer-to-peer contracts has friction. If you want to buy a US security, even though it's you know it's T plus two, eh, you move to T plus one, you eliminate some friction, but it's not killing people. So Yes, real-time blockchain better, but not the, wor- not the biggest problem in the world. So I think that it will take a long time before the entire ecosystem goes this way. But DLT-type settlements, digital currencies, absolutely will be here to stay.
0: And along these lines, how would you say Northern Trust is adding permits and some innovation to the ecosystem? What are some of the most innovative initiatives that the company is working on? Sure.
1: So we've done a, we've done a number of things over, over the last number of years. I've, first of all, I'll say that um, the technology itself is actually not the hard part. DLT has been around for a while. It's actually changing the ecosystem, getting the regulations in place, et cetera. So a few examples. We created a private equity blockchain application where people can actually, a general partner, a limited partner via smart contracts, can execute the transaction on blockchain. Capital calls happen um, on the blockchain. We have multiple clients now using that platform. We worked with a company in Singapore called Bondi Value, which took Singapore, dollar-denominated Singapore bonds, and they wanted to... Uh, Fractionalize them and tokenize them so that retail investors in Singapore can buy them for two thousand dollars a lot versus the two hundred thousand dollars you needed normally. And we worked with this company, Bondy Value, to then build that exchange. And so we're not only custodying the being the custodian of the assets themselves, we help ensure that the number of tokens on the network matches what's actually in the vault. All right, because you've tokenized it, um, so we're going down that path. Um, if we think about uh, uh, cryptocurrencies and a custodian, there we worked with Standard shotter and we created this organization called Zodia, which now um, is live in Europe and is doing crypto custody. And as soon as you know um, that's available, it's you can't do that as a bank in the U.S. yet. All right, so we're waiting for the regula- regulations to change in the U.S. And then we'll start doing that in the U.S. as well via Zodia. So I think over time we've done a lot. But the key thing here to remember is that you have there will not be one sort of blockchain in the sky. All right. There's going to have to be multiple, multiple, multiple ecosystems that you have to connect. So for us, it's been all about setting up our architecture so that you can have a node on anybody's blockchain. Get the information you need because what we are is an information aggregator. Then we do accounting on it. We do other things. We transform that information and give it back to the client. So that's what we've been working on for the past five years.
0: I love that definition, an information aggregator. Thank you very much. And to conclude, maybe the the last question, looking ahead, what would you say is the the single most important change that will reshape the industry in the long term?
1: Yeah, so so for me, I I think if I look at something we're building called Matrix, what what Matrix is, is it's an event-based architecture. Um, So it uses technology, uses microservices, it uses Kafka. Um, as, our, as our event-based um, uh, layer there. And what we've done is we've taken the data from our calculation engines, and we've externalized that so that we can truly have an event-based architecture where that we can grab the data from. And I talked about the data fabric. What happens when you do that is that you then have a consistency of that data. You've got it done once, so you can dramatically reduce the cost right, that it takes us to do our job. Because what people don't realize is that if you want to um, do something, we call a transfer agency. So, so if you buy a fund right now, a mutual fund, someone has to record that you bought it, right, that you own it. Well, the systems to do that in the US, in, the, in England, in Ireland, Australia, they're all different. They all have local nuances, local tax rules. What we've done is that doesn't matter what calculation engine you have underneath, take all the data, move it up so that if Pete Cherowich buys a fund and it buys a fund in Ireland or buys a fund in the UK or in the US, you know what? I, as an investor, I'm only there once. And I've actually, if I want to make a change, I can change it once. And that data can then almost like in a pub hub sub model, the publish and subscribe model, they can then update all of the underlying systems that need that data. That's going to be the key. You have to do things once, get it right, have a golden copy, and then it will flow. And the more we can get that golden copy to be done by utilities. So security master, we do reconciliations all day long. And we do reconciliations because asset managers might have a separate security master than we do, et cetera. The more we can get standards across the industry, right? That will win the day. So let me I'll stop there by saying that everyone talks about, you know, can can blockchain have, you know, can this help us? You know, distributed ledger, that's the way of the world. And how will it get implemented? And what I tell people is that distributed ledger is all about standardization. So you have both sides doing the same thing and so then when you match you match and then it's immutable and you have the record the problem in financial services is we don't have standards so ultimately our cost in financial services is driven by the lack of standards distributed ledger hopefully will force those standards and then you drive the cost down but who's going to spend all the money to and agree on the standard the only one that's going to be able to actually create those standards will be the actual governments, the central exchanges, all of those organizations. When that happens, then the buy side, the sell side, the custodians, we need to operate there, so we'll adopt those standards. and Then over time, you actually have a much more efficient industry and something that's better off for all the clients.
0: Brilliant. Great closure. Thank you very much. This was Pete Terewich, president of asset servicing at Northern Trust. It was a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thank you for being here. Appreciate it.